podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome. It's not the Fatback 4. We just threw it in as a Fatback 4 special tonight. I'm the host, Keith, and we're going to be looking back at the first round of matches in the Euros. Joining me tonight, I've got Chris. Chris, how are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm relying on your knowledge of all things uh, Euros because, you know, I'm more of a American man, but I've seen my fair share of games and we've plenty of stuff to talk about, plenty of highlights couple of low lights and, and plenty in between. So we're uh, looking forward oh, to getting I'm all, I'm all over North Macedonia, mate. Don't worry. Pardon we all. Gordon Pandev fan club. Uh, <laughs> the youngest ever scorer at a major tournament, which is yeah. nice for them. And also their oldest, which is uh, yeah. quite quite a feat. 37 years old. Good lad, good lad. Um, I'm also joined by Gar Breen. Gar, how are you? Hey, Keith. Hey, Chris. How are you, Connor? How are you, lads? All good, pal. All good. Um, again, we're going to look forward to some of these matches and just get your takes on, you know, what you've enjoyed and maybe what you haven't enjoyed. And as a football man, Gar, I'm expecting great things from you. <laughs> no pleasure. No pleasure. Wow, we will get on to that. We'll get on to that. <laughs> and we're delighted to be joined by Connor for the fourth time tonight. Connor, give us a second name there for the for the people because we can't pronounce it. It's a uh, McCockerty. McClockerty. That's what I would have gone with, but you know, you can never tell. Uh, I would have gone McClockerty, but some way you said McClofferty, so I said I'd leave it up yeah, to you. So it, it depends. There's, there's no, a lot of, no there's room a lot of variation. Any, yeah, exactly. We, we got away straight from the horse's mouth. Connor's first time joining us. It won't be his last, so uh, it's great to have you on board. Yeah, happy to be here. Good stuff. And just for the listeners, so they know, three of us on this panel are Liverpool fans. And one is a Chelsea fan, so we'll leave you to guess who that one is. Uh, Hands up, yep. That's what's going on. So be kind, be gentle. Chelsea don't tend to get too much stick in our chat, so you're all right. Great um, to have a bit of variation, uh, too, isn't it? But it is, it's great to have a, yeah. a different voice, you know what I mean? Because yep. look, I'll be honest, lads, when I look at major tournaments, I look really for Liverpool players and certain players who I enjoy watching, but mainly I'm looking how are the Liverpool lads doing. So it'll be good to get the the different view from, from the Chelsea side. So, as we said, we're going to do a Euros roundup of the fourth round of matches. And Chris, I'll start with you. The build up to the tournament, how have you found it? Because we all know it's different. It's it's not a standard, you know, European Championships. It was never going to be because the plan was always to to do it over different cities and not host it in one place. And then COVID's are the really put a, a, a blow to that how are you what were you thinking was going to happen in the build-up are you looking forward to it or was there a sort of trepidation to it um i think in the build-up i was a bit flat towards it i'm not i'm not one for inter- international friendlies and qualifiers but i quite enjoy tournament football Um i just check but i tend to like it when it's in one country so you just uh, you pick up things that you I know mean, people didn't like the vuvuzelas and south america but it, it was something different you know yeah. russia world cup was good so i like that i wasn't a big fan when they said we're going to spread across all these countries and they said it, it's to 
help the fans out and it's a stop ticket price gone up. I thought, yeah, you tell Wales fans flying to Baku for two games and yeah. then going to Italy for one, you're taking them. But so I was a bit like a bit nonplussed. Um I think the thing that helped was uh, I took the Turkey the second half of the Turkey Italy game was was a uh, was good and it was a very different style. I've seen Italy play I mean I've seen Italy play a lot of international football and it is very defensive, look for a one nil win and it it was quite a different style. So actually that made me sit up and went well, this is something a bit different. Uh, I think the fact we've got crowds, and I mean, it was, I only saw cut, cut the end of the hung, Hungary Portugal game, but that had a full stadium. Mm. And it, do you know, what? it looked mad going you know, all those people in one stadium because it's what a year since we've seen that. So it mm. did look a bit odd. Uh, so the roar when Portugal scored, you're thinking like, you did have a thought going, it's a while since I've seen something like that. And actually, that that, that sort of G'd up a bit more for me. So um, it sort of also gives you a little bit of idea of, um, what next season could be, hopefully, with with a crowd back. So it's been it's, right, it's been quite a n- nice welcome distraction. And I would say, uh, and it's amazing how many pundits have caught on to this now, is uh, it's amazing how well VAR works when it's used properly. Yeah. And to be fair, it's been used in every game. And when it's been brought in, you've gone, oh, yeah, that looks off. Or, oh, yeah, I can see why that's disallowed. And you don't kick off because it's, it's not fussy. It's just, in now and again, you don't see 15 replays. You don't see the lines and all that sort of crap. You just... It's probably like a minute delay, and they go, "That's offside." And you see one replay, and you go, "Oh yeah, fair enough." So it's a bit more common sense used with the VAR, but you know that's England all over. We do our own thing, and it's always wrong. Indeed, indeed, Connor, I'll come to you. Um, the the VAR thing, I've been getting texts today, and some people ask me, "Is there no VAR at this tournament um, within the Portugal game?" and it's been different, hasn't it, than how it's handled in the in the Premier League? And look, it's not a, you know, I think every team can have grievances with VAR and you know how how decisions are going and the length of time these things are taken. But it seems to be a breath of fresh air so far. And we'll come on to the matches, but just a, a general thought on VAR in the tournament. It it seems to work a lot smoother. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of the way that it that it should be running, really. Um, they should be quick decisions. And, and when they introduced it, they said that it was only going to be for clear and obvious errors. Yeah. Um, and clear and obvious errors only take a, a matter of, you know, 30 mm. seconds to, to clear up. So, um, yeah, it, it's looking good. Like you say, England seems to be doing their own thing slightly differently. Uh, but I think it's sort of a it's a progression, isn't it? Um, so I think in, in a couple of years time, we'll see it all running smoothly. Obviously, there were the there were the initial concerns about it, you know, delaying, delaying play, uh, messing with talking points and things like that. But I've always maintained that there should be sort of a cutoff point where whereby, you know, if if the if the event takes more than, say, 30 seconds, a minute to decide, right, is this on or offside? You just stick with your on-field decision. I yeah. don't know if that's that's something that they're putting into place in this tournament or around Europe, but they seem to be sticking to a sort of short time frame to be making these decisions, and it's really helping with the flow of the game. I think that really is. Yeah. I, I think they're using. I think they're using the Dutch model for offside, which I think helps. So Dutch model yeah. is a. Uh, it sounds laughing. I've seen it panned already because England are going to introduce it now. It's called the thicker line. But basically, yeah. it's one quite it's quite a thick line. So, as we understand it, level is a thing. Then, so if you're level or you're like, your armpits offside, you'll you'll still get the goal. Yeah, so yeah. It, you know, but also makes it a bit easier. So if you are offside, then is it's probably something like when you see the replay, you see someone's head head against the head head of play. You go, oh yeah, okay, you can see that's off. It's not actually that tight. So it, yeah. it does get, at least give you then the um, levels of thing again, which is probably the thing that's wound everybody up more than anything else. 
You're right, because the concept of level has just been completely eradicated from the game in the last couple of years. I, mean, I remember reading somewhere that they use a line in the Premier League, they use a line that's one pixel thin. So how are you ever going to have a sort of dubious call mm. as to whether he's level or not? You know, everything has to be debated over. So It's it's madness, it's madness. But look, they, they seem to be doing it a lot quicker, a lot smoother in this tournament, which is which is good to see. Um, so we're going to, Gar, I'm going to come to you now for a sec. We're going to start on Group A. So the first game of the tournament, we had Italy against Turkey. Um, did you watch that game? Keith, so I can't wait for myself. Uh, impressed with it, he's so on all of them. Um, I know Chris touched on it in regard of the different way they play, but I just thought the variation when I said this in the group the other night, I was getting a bit of stick off uh, of someone, but anyway, <laughs> you know, we, we you're, you're used to Italian fullbacks, you're not used to bombing on and, and bombing past wingers at the time. I just thought their, their variation, that the way they were coming inside the centre mid, uh, invert is the, is the posh word we like to use these days, so uh, let's go with that. Um, Coming in as and, and doubling up as, as midfielders, I just thought they were absolutely excellent to watch everything about them. Um, it was the first time in years of you know, I know Keith, you're 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 big for you know defensive unit and, and you know all that sort of stuff defensively and yeah. know it's the way you like things. You're a big fan of Italian football and you have been for years, but we just thought the other night it was just so different, Keith. Um, it was it was current. Um, but everything was done right. Your forwards dropping deep. It was it was it was really really enjoyable to watch. It was like watching, you know, the like a, a pep side if you want want to call it that. Um, it was just, just so different. I was in awe of it to be honest with you. Yeah, it was it was different, wasn't it? Than what you're typically looking at in Italian teams, and especially at the start of a tournament. Italy usually to say they sort of ease themselves into tournaments yeah, yeah. to be an understatement. They usually you know draw a defeat and they'll try and just get it back after that. But this was different. It was a good good team. Uh, Connor, will come back to you. What did you make of the Italians or what did you make of the Turkish in the game? Was it was it one was really good or one was really bad? Yeah, I thought I thought. It's a sort of tale of two halves, really. Um, I think, you know, in, in the in the opener, it's always going to be a little bit cagey to begin with. And the first half was certainly like that. There were a couple of chances either side, but um, I thought Turkey were pretty shocking uh, first half and second half. Um, and then Italy sort of grew into the game. They looked impressive. I think with the two deeper midfielders, Jorginho and Locatelli, they looked very good. Yeah. Uh, Locatelli had to grow into the game a little bit, but once they sort of got that foothold in the second half, there was no way that they were they were letting slip on that one. But Turkey were probably my biggest surprise of the tournament so far in, in a negative way. I thought yeah. they were absolutely shocking. I think looking at their team, they've got a solid core. They've got some good players in there and they really, really underperformed in the first day. Yeah, they were. A lot of people had high expectations of Turkey going into it. And with some of the names that are in there, I think you'd probably have expected a more solid performance from them. You know, maybe in the, you know, Borak Gilmatz is 37, I think, in the attack or 36. You know, you're not going to get lung busting runs, but from the defensive unit, Demiral and, and um, Soyuncu, you're expecting a bit of solidity there. But look, Chris, it was it was good by the Italians. Um, did anyone stand out for you in that game, or was it just a good team performance? Um, I think to me it's a good team performance. Being uh, Yumi were having a mess, uh, a chat about the game, uh, and as usual, I put the curse on saying I don't fancy Immobile much. He's, yeah. I think he's overhyped. <laughs> he scores. I was like, oh, I mean the most, <laughs> I mean the most spectacular thing was the own goal. It's the funniest own goal I've seen. <laughs> it's, it was brilliant. Uh, but no, overall, I thought. I, I just thought they were solid. One thing I did like about them, though, is as an attack 
as much as that's the most attacking I've seen in Italy, they've still got the Italian foot, the Italian defensive units. You know, right at the end, Chiellini's throwing in the tackles that Chiellini's known for, and the high five at each other like they've scored a goal, which yeah, is very, that. which is still very Italian. Yeah. That is what that's what we know for the Italians. But they've now got themselves a bit of a nice balance where when they go forward, you know, Insigne, you're sort of going, you know, Insigne is a, a great player. I'm surprised he's probably not moved on to someone slightly bigger. You know, don't disrespect to Napoli, but I'm surprised when the bigger clubs haven't tried for him because he's just that kind of clever, cute player that you need. And probably not one that Italy have used very well, probably since the likes of Del Piero and Totti. Yeah, true. It's a, it's probably a different approach, isn't it, that they've they've gone with over the years. But, but Connor touched on it there. I think Jorginho and Locatelli in midfield really did look a solid base. And when you have Barella in there as well, joining in with attacks, you know, usually the Italian midfield, um, they, they, they're usually more functional and workmanlike. Mm. And this had a nice mix, a nice blend of, of workmanlike in, sitting in front of a, a the Chiellini Benucci partnership, which look, I don't care how old they are, the two of them could be 46 and 44 playing, and they're still going to dive into tackles and they're still going to put their face on the line. I mean, you that, that'll be my only worry, Keith, if they if they continue to play like that. Is is George? You know, I know, uh, Lock Telly sort of played a bit higher at times, but that sort of tro- triangle of, of Giorgino, Chiellini, and Benucci against much faster players and, and yeah. much more dynamic lads on the ball, you know, uh, tippy tappy footballs playing triangles around them. That'll be my only worry will be them three when they come up against the better sides that people do play around them. So we'll see how good it, it if Italy sit back as a back forward in. Um, it'd be very, very interesting to see. Well, they Connor, do. Have... Is it Chelsea? Oh, go ahead, Connor. No, I was, I was gonna, just going to say they do have Verratti to come back in. I don't know. Yeah, what, yeah. Do you guys know what's the case with his injury? Whether he'll be back sort of in in within the group stages or latter stages of the tournament or what? Because it'd be interesting to see where he slots in. Well, yeah, I, heard two, yeah. I heard two games. I think someone said that in the group the other day, Keith, didn't they? I heard yeah. he was he was gone for the first two games, Connor. But they've they've also got Cristante who comes in yeah. there, and he is very highly rated, um, and he will be one that comes in now. But Connor, as a Chelsea fan. Uh, Gar touched on that triumvirate of Bonucci, Chiellini and, and Jorginho. And, you know, as a Chelsea fan, you'd see a lot more of Jorginho than we will. Uh, I'm a big fan. I'm not going to lie. I think he's an excellent player. I think he's unfairly criticised a lot of the time mm. in the press. But I don't watch him all the time. As a Chelsea fan, what the, how do you rate him? Do you think he's he's sort of underrated? Or is he the sort of accident-prone, error-prone player that some pundits make him out to be? I think he's he's a very polarizing player and that's because he's got massive deficiencies but he's also got huge strengths to his game yeah. he's incredible under pressure he's uh, yeah. got a good way to pass and that sort of short tiki taka type passing he's very good at that his passing range isn't isn't too strong really he tends to under hit the ball quite a lot um but his main deficiencies are really in an athletic sense yeah. um so sort of if if you've got quite an open expansive system where you've got attackers making runs at him and ru- runs either side of him he can be exposed quite easily. And that's why we saw that sort of thing from, from Lampard's system. Whereas under Tuchel, especially in the Champions League, he's looked incredible. Next to Kante, who can sort of push forward and roam a little bit more, which I think that's the role that Verratti or Barella will play when they're, when they're next to him in the Italy side. Um, it gives him license to be a bit more compact, have his own zone. Uh, and that really plays to his strengths rather than highlighting those athletic deficiencies that he's definitely got. Yeah, indeed, indeed. He's a good player, I have to say. I'm a big fan. Uh, Avi's thrown in a super chat. Nice one, Avi. My man, walking away, lads, but wanted to see my little bro Connor make his debut. Love you, mate. 
I assume he's saying he loves me, but it could be you, Connor. So look, just <laughs> it's, take it's, it's, def- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely not me. <laughs> it's definitely not you. No, it's definitely not you. <laughs> but um, nice one, Avi. Good to good to have you joining us. Um, even if you are on the other side of the camera, but. It's interesting before what we're going to do, lads. We're not going to go in depth on every match, you know what I mean? We'll talk about them. And the reason I wanted to sort of spend a bit more time on this is Italy to me have been one of the most impressive teams of the fourth round. I've been really impressed with them. And the thing again on Jorginho sitting in that deepest sort of role with the way Italy are lining up, they've got two midfield players playing fullback, well, converted midfield players in um, Florenzi and Spinazzola. they're not the type of fullbacks that are going to expo- they're going to leave them exposed so they'll always sort of have with the Chiellini Benucci you'll always find that the fullbacks will still be back down a shift even though they're mid- both midfield players that have converted they're excellent sort of fullback options in that system do you know what I mean they're not they're not you know a winger that goes back to play fullback and they're constantly Boom, 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 up forward and not getting back. So I think they might be okay with the Georgine with that triangle once they're not um isolated with them. And I just think with the fitness of Spinatola and Florenzi, I think they can they can be all right there. But yeah, I have to say, really enjoyed it. And a strong bench as well. Because as you said, Verratti still to come back in there. They had Chiesa, who a lot of people thought would start for them and didn't. They went with Bar- uh, Berardi and he was good. Do you know what I mean? Chris was saying he had an argument about Immobile. Immobile done well. Look, it's it's a dangerous Italian team. Okay, the film in. went. The film. Oh, sorry for coming across. The film went too far, and and people were trying to get around Yale Matt a bit more and Cal Cal Hangio or whatever you want to call him from Milan. Uh, yeah, Chalano, people have been. I think I've heard seven different pronunciations of his name. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> I think when they they all come in and there was three players trying to walk off Yale Matt at times. The yeah. the two fullbacks, Florenzi and Spin- Florenzi until he came off until he went off and uh, Spinazzola had come inside. So it was yeah. almost three defensive midfielders at times with the yeah. two centre halves right behind them. So. That that in itself will get Jorginho if they continue to play like that without the ball. That in itself will get Jorginho well of a hole uh, physically, but by, by a mile. So it, it really impressed me without the ball uh, that way. The other night when I did say they were inverting a bit. Um. So yeah, just uh, that could be that could be to Jorginho's strengths that they keep do, keep doing that if they employ that tactic all the way through. Indeed, O'Shea McGlynn, she has a comment up there. Who's the alarm going off in the background? That's me, O'Shea. Nothing I can do. It's someone's car alarm. It's someone's car alarm. Do you know what I mean? So, unfortunately, I've no... um have a word, Keith. Come on. No control over who that is. I'm just hoping it'll go off soon enough. I'll try and mute myself when I'm not talking just to make it a bit more sort of easy on the listeners. But that's hands up. It is. It's 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 somewhere in Dublin City that's going to be mad. But, um, yeah, Italy. I enjoyed them. Do you know what I mean? I think they they looked good. Turkey not so much, but we'll we'll come back to them. The other team and the other game in that group was Wales and Switzerland. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about that. It wasn't a great game, in fairness. Unless anyone has any standout comments on that one, I thought Danny Ward did well. So for yeah, a lad, he was really, really, yeah, he was very good. For, yeah. for a lad who's never played in the Premier League and was Liverpool's number one for six days, <laughs> uh, I thought. I yeah, to be fair to, him, I thought he did quite. I thought he did quite well. Yeah. <laughs> But I suppose the Liverpool link against Shakiri, Shakiri at international level yeah. is, 
you know, he's such a good, good player. And Liverpool just haven't seen enough of him with the fitness issues. But when he goes to tournaments, he is the main man for Switzerland. And, you know, he's where he plays and he gets the freedom of the team to sort of to run their attacks. Very, very good player. Gets an assist. Um, yeah, Nico Williams, was he involved as well? We had a few... Um, I don't I think Liverpool he, no. contingents. I don't, I don't think Nico didn't start, I don't think. I'm not sure if he came on at all. Unusually, because no. he's been he's been left back at all the um all yeah, the yeah. No, he didn't get on, he didn't get on. Um, but but he's been left back at all the friendly, so I think everyone thought he was gonna start, to be fair. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But look, we we'll move on from that. The next group is group B. I don't want to talk about Denmark and Finland, lads. We've you know, everybody's spoken about that. It's been um some of the some of the fallout after it's a bit uh, unsavoury, I would say. It is. It is. Do you know what? We'll spend a little minute talking about it. Um, it's quite harsh, and the Finnish um, Finland scored a goal. It's their first major tournament. They scored a goal, and and it was just no celebrating. They the fans went mad. Look, fair enough, but the players just knew it wasn't right. We saw with uh, Simon Kjaer, who yeah. you know, let's face it, has saved his teammates' life. Um, and the coach came out and said later, we, they took him off after five minutes and said, the poor fella couldn't cope, Yeah, you know, w- which says it all really. And now it's coming out that UEFA said to him, well, you play tonight or you play tomorrow or or you forfeit the game. Yeah, yeah, that's not the... that's that's not quite the player saying, oh, we'll go for it. And it was spun as uh, Ericsson said, you know, play on for me. Which, look, that yeah. may have happened. But when you're told it's play tonight, play tomorrow, or you deduct or basically you, you forfeit the game, it's kind of. It's not really a choice. It's kind of forcing you to make a decision with, but painting it in a certain way, which is wrong, really. Because, um, you know, those guys, to be honest, you know, nothing but praise for, for Denmark players, the medical staff, you know, how they protected the teammates, how they surrounded him. So, because for some reason, an idiot with a camera can't decide to pan to the crowd, which I know was a shocking thing that happened to Ericsson. You don't expect to see it, but there's got to be things in place. I'm sure, you know, if the streaker runs on the pitch, they don't they pan to the crowd. If there's a bad leg break, you pan to the crowd so you don't see it. So when it's clear the guy's getting quite serious medically, pan to the, or, or flick it back to the studios. You know, I know the BBC took a lot of stick for it, but in fairness, they have no control over when it's flicked back to them. I don't think. I think it's the local broadcast. So that was a bit unsavoury. But, you know, I actually thought, you know, Sa- uh, Simon Carr, is it? I was, I was pressing yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Him, um, Peter, uh, Peter Schmeichel, Schmeichel, who, you know, always comes across very, very well, and is a, a leader in these sort of situations. And look, Denmark, you know, I thought handled a horrific situation fairly well. And look, as for Finland, they were in a no-win situation, really, where they, you know, they win the game, but it's really a talking point, and it, and it probably feels a little bit hollow, which, you know, can't be helped, unfortunately. Indeed, and they have to go into other games, you know, it's, they're going to have to play their other group games. Right, it, um, Christian Eriksen has, has you know, he's, he's not recovered, but he's doing well. But still, the trauma of going through something like that is going to play on, on the players' minds, unfortunately, for the rest of the tournament. But look, um, the other game in the group, Belgium and Russia, 3-0 to Belgium. I think we can all agree that Belgium are not on the steroids. Oh, sorry, Russia are not on the steroids for this tournament. They were atrocious. Um, yeah, it was more overloads of paracetamol, I think. Yeah, it was... Uh. They were poor. Connor, what did you make of Russia and Belgium? Belgium are one of the favourites. Yeah, as, as as you say, uh, Russia were poor and there's not really much you can say other than that. Uh, Belgium looked, you know, exceptional, capitalised on Russia being absolutely, you know, awful. Um, you got someone like Lukaku up front who 
is in the form of his life. It looks like Conte sort of reinvented him as a player, not that he was ever a poor player. I just feel like some, you know, when when he was at United, it, they didn't really play to his strengths that much. He was sort of used as a target man when he's always been a channel runner and a clinical finisher. And he showed that again in this in this game. Um, I think Belgium really know how to play to his strengths and he's really turned into sort of a talisman and a leader in that side. And, you know, it's scary to think that they've got De Bruyne and Azar. Well, I say Azar. He's not really in the form of his life, is he? As much as it saddens me to say it. Um, he's, in, but yeah. he's in the eating form of his life. <laughs> well, more has been at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. But yeah, I know he's had some dodgy seasons, but it looks like injuries have started to catch up yeah, with him. Yeah. But as a unit, this Belgian team probably look as strong as they have done. I know they came close in 2018. Maybe they just needed that little bit more maturity mm. and they're sort of leaders in the team, uh, like Lukaku. Players like Tielemans have come into their own this season. Courtois taking his game up another level. And that, that's the sort of core that you need to win in these international tournaments. Uh, I think they've got that pragmatic style that you need. They can sit back, they can absorb pressure, not that they needed to against Russia. Um, but I think, yeah, they've, they've got all the tools to go very far in this tournament for sure. I was surprised Yuri Zhirkov still played. I yeah, mental I, that. I, I generally thought he'd retired. Then they said he's only played he's only played 70 minutes all season. I'm like, why are you starting him? And he lasted 30 minutes. God, was a god. Yeah. That's one of the best years one old, of the best yeah. things. One of the best yeah. things about these international tournaments, isn't it? Seeing these old old boys coming out of the woodwork. You know, you got Seb Larson playing yesterday for for uh for Sweden. Seb Larson still looks like fit though. <laughs> yeah. I felt mm. sorry for Yuri Zerkov. You know, when you've got like Lukaku running at you, you've only played 70 minutes all season. It's not, it's not a barrel after that for him, is it? Very true, very true. Now, one thing, Garrett, I'll come to you on this, right? Um, Connor spoke about Belgium there. They've got some good players. I think they're one of the most overrated teams in world football in the sense that they're the number one team in the world, right? And I think... And I don't know if I'm being harsh because I don't rate Roberto Martinez, but I'm looking at the team and... They have got Lukaku and they have got Tielemans, Courtois okay, but they've still got a Dedrick Boyata in there. Yeah. Um, Castagna's a decent player. He won't um, be playing again he, after, he that, after that injury, yeah. I don't think so. Mounier Ooh, comes yeah. in, but Mounier yeah. comes in, does okay. He's an okay player. Alderweireld and Vertonghen are still there. They're not the players they were. Yuri oh. Tielemans is an excellent player. Uh, Carrasco, Mertens, they're all good but for the number one team in the world, I think they're a bit overrated. Where do you rate this Belgian team after that game? Lukaku, excellent. And to have that outlet for a goal scorer really is brilliant. But as a, as a team, what do you rate? How do you rate the Belgians? I think you have to take the, the opposition into uh, a lot of consideration here, lads. That Russia side was, was really, really poor. Uh, I think Lukaku just... You know, came into his own as he has been all season. His form has continued. Um, he was a handful, and he was bound to be a handful for a Russian defence. I think Keith, you're bang on. I think they get found out with Boyata, Allveld, and Vertong at the back. There, there's a mistake in each of them all day long. Um, Torgan Hazard's playing as a wing back, isn't he? Um, he's 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 been doing well for the last couple of seasons. Um, then Donker worries me at times. Um, I think he's very slow at times. Um. If, if they're going to rely on everything to go through Tiemans, I'd be quite worried because uh, he's not on either side of them. Um, as you say, there's good players, but I just think after seeing what Italy can do as a unit, um, 
and, and good players being made look a hell of a lot better. To me, I just don't think... Listen, I'll probably get poised on this, but I just don't think Belgium, Belgium do that in this. In, yeah. the, the, uh, the, the international Leicester City. <laughs> They're pretty... Yeah. They, get, they get there, they're, they get there about like mm. quarterfinals, semi, maybe semi-finals, but you never quite believe they're going to fully go all the way to it. That's how I feel about them. Yeah, and a lot of Leicester influence there as well, I suppose, um, in the team. But look, it's it's not to dig them out. I think when you go into a major tournament, if you have a goal scorer, you have always a chance. And I think they have got, excuse me, in Lukaku, I think they have an absolute threat that you can't give goals up to like the Russians did. Um, they gave them, you know, easy goal to score to get them on the, on the way. And De Bruyne is still to come back, isn't he? Is he he's in the squad still and he's, He's back yeah. fit now. He's obviously he's playing with the same injury that Castagna got. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. you know a few. It's a couple of weeks uh, since he got a couple of weeks of recovery, but he's going to be playing with a mask and all on that. And the only thing I would say is the mindset of Finland and Denmark. I don't think it's going to be a rough and you know there's not going to be much rough housing. So maybe they can ease their way into mm-hmm. the tournament and get through the group phase as is expected and see where they stand then but it'll be interesting like i said it, it's not that i don't rate them it's just for the number one team in the world i don't think they're that good you know what i mean but it is what it is um the next thing now we'll move on to is group c austria north macedonia chris Goran pandev what about oh, we had some fun with Grizz, didn't we, with that? For- we did, we did. For anyone that doesn't know, and Connor, you won't be aware of this, we done a draft show. We do a lot of drafts on the on, on the pod, and <laughs> we try and do a bit, make them a bit mad. And we done one before where it was pick a Champions League winner, but they have to be, you know, you can only have one or two nationalities repeated over four teams. So we'd all take a turn and pick a player. And Grizz got his, you got drawn a number, and Grizz's second pick was a forward. So you could pick any forward who uh, won the Champions League and Grizz picked Goran Pandev. And <laughs> it was the well, second forward out of the whole thing gone. And he went for Goran Pandev. He, he shit himself. He went for he went for Diego Melito, I think, and he'd already Argentina were gone. And then he panicked and went for Goran Pandev. He just had Inter, that Inter team in his head <laughs> and went for Pandev. And we give him so much stick. But then Pandev shows up, and Chris, it's North Macedonia. It's 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 a bit of a fairy tale stuff, wasn't it? Um, it, it was. I mean, they went one nil down. I mean, give um, Austria some credit. That the forget that it's North Macedonia. That first Austrian goal is technically brilliant. The cross, the touch, you know, to control that. That's that's not an easy finish, and that would beat most keepers. It, yeah. So take out the fact it's North Macedonia. That's a great finish. Uh, look, their goal it is a bit of a balls up by the keeper, like. But look, yeah. their their old their oldest player, you know, the, the probably the only North Macedonia that most people know, with mm-hmm. probably except from apart from the left back from Leeds. So Alioski, Alioski. So to be fair, you know, when he scored, he's like oh, that's kind of the fairy tale, and it just looked for a while they were going to hold out to get a draw. You know, Austria's class uh, told them with. Um, Alaba doing his Andy Robertson impression with a wonder cross to set up. But in fairness to North Macedonia, at 1-1 and at 2-1, they did have the chances. And yeah. what I quite like is they've gone, this is our first tournament, but we'll have a go. Yeah, they're still defensive, but they still had to go. Whereas Turkey, who were quite an experienced side, were quite cowardly approaches. And I was a bit like, at least both Macedonia and Finland have got the idea, which is 
we will sit deep, but we're going to have a go. It's a bit like if we're going to lose, we'll lose fighting. And, you know, it was quite good to see, actually, because I actually flicked this game on thinking, poor ITV, what a first game. This will be shit. And to be fair, I was watching going, this is actually one of the more entertaining games I've watched. It was actually quite good fun. And I love watching a team where half the players are going, I have no idea who these guys are. So it was actually quite quite refreshing watching players going, I don't know who they are. This is good. This is actually quite good fun. Yeah, that's true. Um, Barry, De- Barry Devon, he says, you know, Elmas will be a cracking player for North yeah. Macedonia. He's a player that, that you know, he's he, he's a good, good player and he's playing at a nice level. Be interesting to see how he develops. But, um, Connor, I'll come to you. The, did you see this game, the, the Macedonia goal, Pandev? Did you think it was a foul on the keeper or was it poor goalkeeping? And you, can you always judge by the reaction of players? There wasn't much of a of an argument. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Nothing at all. And I don't think there's anything in it, really. I think nowadays keepers are a little bit too protected when it yeah. comes to fouls within the box. You know, you see those ones at the corner, any slight touch on their back and the keeper goes down, parries the ball. Even if he fumbles it without a touch, it's typically given as a free kick. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't see any foul in there. I think when you're a keeper and you're coming out for a ball in a 50-50, you've got, you've got to be assertive, don't you? And he fumbled it yeah. straight to Pandev. Popped it in the back of the net. And yeah, good goal for me. If they'd ruled that one out, there would have been uproar, wouldn't they? Yeah, true. With guard, I mean, I was watching it on RTE over here in Ireland and Liam Brady was adamant that there was a foul. And he was quite uh, incredulous that Ray Houghton didn't agree, you know. So it, it didn't look, as I said there, if there's no reaction by the keeper or by Alaba, I think it was Alaba, was it, that was that was in the mix? You know, neither of them are shouting for a foul. And I think that says all you need to know. I think you're, you're, it's Connor just being bang on there. The keeper needs to come. The keeper needs to be more authoritative. End the story. Um, I think I think our, our, our local media are just trying to uh, have a little row on together to make it look interesting. But no, it was poor goalkeeping. End the story. And as you said, the the reactions of others around the situation told everything. Um, we know a few people have comment, but it, lads, I tell you what, I really like that Sabitza lad. Very, very, mm. very good player. Yeah. Um, I heard rumors he's gone for 30 million or something in the 15 summer. Million. 15, 15 million. 15 million, is it? Yeah. Yeah, well, Spurs, Spurs that, have been after him for a while. I think. Absolute yeah. bargain. The fella is is, is excellent. Technically, he's, he's busy. He's he he can pat, knock a ball around. Really, really impressive for 15 million. Jesus Christ, I'll be I'll be snapping the hands off him. That's the rumored figure he's saying 15 million euros. So, I mean, if that's the Unbelievable. case and Unbelievable. he's available for that, you know, I mean, you, you think you'd be all over it. Is, yeah. there, is there a contractual thing there? Has he only got sort of a year I left think, or something? I think that's what it is. I think he's going into his last year and I think it's a case of, you know, you'll get him for a, a smaller fee for that. And Absolute he won't pilot. be short of, he won't be short of suitors. Do you know what mm, I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. Austria, I think Macedonia played well and I think Macedonia, you know, they, they had a go, as Chris said. But Austria, they got the win, maybe not the most convincing, but they scored some good goals, you know, and it, it'll be interesting to see how they go. They'll be a dangerous enough team as the as the tournament goes on. Um, but we'll move on to the other game in the group, and a lot of people were excited by this one. It was Holland against um, the Ukraine. And Chris, um, I love what did you game. make of this? Did you go, go I for this. it? I love this game. I, I enjoy it. I mean, I always have a soft spot for the Dutch anyway, so I quite enjoy watching the Dutch play. Uh, so I mean, at half time when it was nil nil, I think I was Nestor Beal said, "This is just like watching Liverpool this year. It's everything but the goal because they were doing everything but score." Uh, Gino and Alden in in the number ten role, pretty much. You'll just look at what could have been with him at times because she was an intelligent player. Gino was, you know, he could play holding midfield for us and then play 
10 for Holland and is brilliant. So, you know, I was made up when Genie's got the, the opening goal. It's a cracker of an opening goal. And it was entertaining. And then um, what you didn't expect was Ukraine woke up. I got two very quick goals back and it was um, end-to-end. And then obviously the right full uh, right wing back, who t- Dumfries, who looked, mm. I'm not sure what he pl- who he plays up, but he, he, looks imp- he looked impressive getting his first international goal. I believe he's been a... Uh, Linked to the uh, blue side of Liverpool, probably not for much longer. But you know, uh, I've seen that. I've seen that rumor flying around. But yeah, no, I probably that's been the most entertaining game because it was just mad. And I would say, whenever the Dutch are on now, let's just watch the Dutch because, quite frankly, it's just going to be um, like watching Liverpool thirteen fourteen. They can't defend, but they'll score loads of goals and they'll just be really good fun. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Connor, I think you have a fan there in the chat. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have to scratch your head or something like yeah, that, or do yeah. some sort of, yeah! yeah. <laughs> there we go, there we go. Um, but Connor, I'll stay with you. The Dutch team that went, they, got, they raced into a tuna lead. It, it looked like total control for them. And they just sort of gave it back. They gave the, the onus and the initiative back to the Ukraine, didn't they? What did you, did you make of the Ukrainian performance? Well, I think Ukraine have got some good players, but I don't think their team is quite balanced enough, really, for them to put up a fight against any of the big boys. Um, I mean, Malinovsky, I think he's a, a quality player, and I think lots of teams... Oh, I see I see a reaction there from Gar. Uh, thoughts on Galinovsky then? Malinovsky? Malinovsky, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was a good player, wasn't he? Um, he's, he's, quite, he's 27, am I right? About 27 now, was he? Yeah, twenty-eight Malinovsky is, I think. Yeah, but it's and it's sort of coming to fruition later in his career, isn't he? But yeah. uh, I'm uh, I'm a big, big, big Atlanta fan, uh, Connor. So uh, he's uh, I, I do like him. Um, me, me and Young Davo uh, are, are Atlanta men. So now, really, really good player. Uh, you know, picks up really good positions. Uh, good eye for a pass um, and, and can score both foot as well. Looks at shot from range as well. Really, really impressed me anytime I've seen him uh, in for Atlanta Connor. So, yeah, um, I just hope he stands out a bit for the years. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think that hammer of a left foot maybe, maybe may boost up his value a little bit. Um, that's for sure. He can hit it from from range. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think they've got enough really. Ukraine to be threatening uh, the bigger teams. They've got Yarmolenko, who seems like one of their main focal points, and I don't think he's really got enough about him anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, their two goals, they were they were quality strikes. The first one was a was a ranger from Yarmolenko, and I can't mm-hmm. remember the second. Was it a, a goalkeeping error or one from a from a free kick? Uh, it was a header, wasn't it? I was no Yarm Yarmachuk scored the Yarm second. Yarmachuk from a free kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But with yeah, I, I don't think they'll they'll be any big threat to challenge um no. I, I think they'll struggle to get out of the group with austria really but um i think uh, netherlands no go ahead no no it's just with the, this new you know top three teams um the, the four best tour place teams do you know what i mean like it'll be interesting to see if ukraine can get out of there you know it'll be you know it'll be interesting to see there's some absolute muppet in the chat there uh Lads, if you leave, leave, them, leave them to it. There's a lot of yeah, good people just, in the chat there. Just leave them yeah. to it or ban or whatever you can do. Yeah, get them out. Don't ban them for five minutes. Kick them out. Um, but look, the 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 Dutch they got there in the end. Um, Dumfries, yeah, it was Chris. You mentioned Dumfries there a minute ago, and he had a good game at right back for them. He was finding a lot of space, missing a lot of chances, but mm. you know he, he he looked good down the right for them. He did. He looked. He, like the modern fullback, whether you play wing back or fullback, 
you know, there'll be a lot of Premier League sides after him. I joked about the, the blue side is because I think they have been linked to him. I think yeah. that the rumour is they were trying to get it done before the Euros, which hasn't happened. So I think their concern now is um, with a performance like that, there will be a lot of a lot of clubs after him, which probably means it won't go under the radar then. So look, he looked, he just looked really impressive. You know, he probably does need to work on his finishing and his composure, but you know, I think he's he's only young. So, but what I saw about everything good went through him and went through Genie. So, you know, they're the two things to look forward to. But yeah, I can't wait for the next Dutch game because I just think just it's going to be a bad game. His, his end product could be a bit better, especially when you got someone uh, like Andy Carroll up front, aka Fikhorst. Uh, he's a unit. He's a unit, isn't he? Ah, oh, lads. Mm. He just did anyone notice? He just kept running into people. The, yeah, the but, just yeah. goes around running into people. He's actually like that rock lad out of the Marvel films. He just goes running into people. Unbelievable. Um, but listen, he's if if you want to get the best out of him, you, you need to have good supply from the fullbacks. And I just think Dumfries didn't for me the only, with all that space he had, he just didn't do enough. Uh, was paused for a supply function to uh, to aka Andy Carroll, the Dutch Andy Carroll, Veghorst. <laughs> Connor, what did you make of Veghorst? Were you a fan or not so much? Yeah, I liked him. I liked him, and I think he'd be a useful a useful player for any top team. Mm. I got Gir- shades of Giroud from him, even in the way he moved, the way he sort of carried his body, those sort of slightly uncomfortable touches from him. Maybe he almost looks like he um, shouldn't be a professional footballer, but. He's he's effective, isn't he? Uh, yeah, and he yeah, did, yeah. He did a job, and he scored. He scored bags of goals for Wolfsburg this season. So, yeah, I like the way they play with a big man, little man combination up front. Uh, I think Depay will do well this tournament. I think he'll score quite a few goals, but I do think they got some big holes in their team. I don't think that midfield of Derone, Vinaldum, and De Jong on paper it looks all right. I don't think De Jong has enough about him yet to make a huge difference. I think when when I'm looking at an international team and I'm assessing how far they're going to go in a tournament, I'm looking at how compact they are as a unit in defence. Don't know if they have that just yet. Do they have an elite creator? Who's the creative force in there? Is it Genie? Is it De Jong? Is it good enough? And do they have an elite scorer? Depay, you know, he's got a few goals and Veghorst, they might get enough between them, but I just don't see them having having enough, really. Yeah, and Martin Stecklenberg and goal... um, don't know what that's all about. Like he's leading terrible now, and the fact that he's playing is is a bit of a, an issue. But look, it's 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 a, a win. You get off the, you get out of the, the or you get um hit the ground running, and you get off and get your three points. But there's to me with this Dutch team, the shades of the old Dutch teams where there's going to be sort of an implosion in in the team and I don't yeah. know if it's because Frank yeah. DeBoer is the manager and Frank DeBoer has previous for this I, I don't know if there's that unity that's been in the Dutch squad for the last few years now I could be wrong on that and, and maybe it is but for some reason I just have this thing about them that that they're going to make a balls of it you know as a team that are expected to do well that they're going to just isn't this the longest he's been in a job as well yeah yeah, he's he's not being uh, he's not being doing well as of late. But look, I they, think uh, um, big big fair just due to join them soon as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh, got yeah, his, yeah. Uh, his uh, Portuguese uh, rehab, so uh, I'm sure he'll he'll knock a few heads together, a bit of leadership, and there will be good for him. So you know, it it's good to do that. It's good that they can um 
they can bring a player like Van Dijk in there and yeah. and give that right. He can't play, but he does. He's a calming influence and he has got leadership quality. So it makes sense to to bring somebody in like that. But look, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'm wrong. I like Holland. I like when when they're on form. They're a good team. I don't know if it's the orange kit that does it. You know what I mean? The, it's like Brazil in the yellows. You know, you get a, a nice vibrant <laughs> Holland in the orange. I'm a big fan of that sort of nonsense. But speaking of England, we move on to we move on to Group D. Um, Connor, I'm going to start with you on this one. England against Croatia. Um, we get accused a bit on this of, of sort of bait in England because look, we're not England fans. We're not English. Pre- predominantly, we're not an English podcast. We're predominantly Irish. But, you know, as an Englishman, proudly wearing the, the colours there, what did you make of the, the game and the team selection and, you know, a win is a win is a win. How did you how did you find the performance and the team selection for England? Like you mentioned, I mean, the most important thing is the win. You know, yeah. it's, it's a Croatia team that have some good players in there. When I looked at their team on paper at first, I didn't realise how many quality players they've got in all sorts of positions. You know, across the back four, I know sort of you could look at Vida as quite a weak spot. Not too sure about the keeper, but they're a decent team. They've got excellent options in midfield and they got, you know, I think Andre Kramaric up front is a dangerous player who can hurt any team. Um, so I think yeah getting a win against them is the most important thing and we did well to manage that the team selection was questionable but it turned out okay Um, I think playing with two holding midfielders is the way to go for England until we get to the latter stages of the tournament when maybe I'd revert back to a to a back five Trippier at left back was a questionable one I don't really see the the idea behind that one when you've got you know Luke Shaw Arguably best left back in the league this season. Chilwell looked very good, although I'd prefer him as a wing back. He's evolved his game to be suited to, to that wing back role now. Well, it's funny you say that, right? Because, um, yeah, he maybe is more of a wing back. Uh, Luke Shaw probably better as a wing back. But they're both left folds. They're both left footed full backs, you know, by, by their nature. Surely they're a better option than a right footed player. Now, Trippier wasn't bad, but he wasn't good. You know what I mean? He wasn't there. Uh, yeah, he wasn't. You have a right foot player playing on the left. They're constantly going to be cutting in. Whereas if you have Chilwell and Shaw, you're going to get quick delivery from the wide um, positions. It, it was a weird one. And with Reese James on the other side, did you feel he could have got a show? Um, I know he's mad for right backs and he does have a few of them. But did he get the fullbacks wrong? Because Coyle Walker was atrocious, Absolutely. in my opinion. Absolute yeah. muck. It wasn't um, even that good. But the, the selection, and I know, sorry if I couldn't across these lads, the selection is the thing that interested me because, Connor, you touched on it there. You look at that Croatia team and you see a midfield three of Kovacic, Brozovic and Modric and you're thinking, right, they will dominate Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips and Mason Mount. They were, they were so poor. You know, Croatia yeah. were so poor. And I mean, Declan Royce to me is a hugely overrated player. You may feel differently. I think he came to the ranks at Chelsea, didn't he? And they're linked with taking him back. I think he's a weak link there in that England team personally. But they, they never bothered him. Croatia never got never got a sniff on them. Yeah, and, and it's a matter of opinion, I suppose. But I looked at that midfield that we set up with and I thought, we've done him here. He's set up correctly in midfield. You know, Declan Rice although he doesn't really contribute a huge amount in the build-up, we didn't really need that in that game. I think Gareth was looking to cancel out the midfield. He knew that their strengths were in that midfield of Brozovic, Kovacic and Modric. So he looked to cancel them out. I think Declan Rice 
covers ground really, really well. He's a dual winner. Um, and with with he- with um, Phillips, excuse me, playing a little bit more advanced, I think you know the, the two of them played him off the park. We de- Declan Rice's deficiencies are probably when he's looking to to contribute in the attacking phase. He wasn't needed to, and I don't think in this England setup he is needed to. I think Gareth got it pretty much spot on in the front six. I probably would have played maybe Grealish over Foden, but that's a much over muchness really. Um, Kane didn't look too strong, but I think with the midfield, I think he got it bang on. I suppose his options were limited as well. You know, does does not like Henderson is is injured and um, Bellingham, while an exciting talent, is still you know he's only seventeen right. years yeah. old, and you sort of bring him in and give him minutes here and there. But Chris, I understand right that Declan Rice will do a job and. Um, Calvin Phillips, I thought, was excellent in there. Mason Mount, I'm a huge fan of Mason Mount. I think he's one of the best young players. I think he's sort of un, very underrated. Uh, yeah. I think Foden gets all the attention as the, the the great sort of English hope. But I think Mount is, is a great player there. Um, is it um, is it something that you think that's the, the stall of Sefford England going forward in that midfield and attack? As Connor said, he was happy enough with that. Can you see any changes to that, or is that what where they're going to go? Can you see? Well, in fact, you know, I'll throw it out to the whole team. Is it Walker, Trippier, as far as you're concerned? Is it, um, you know, Mings and Stones, or where's Maguire at? Like, it, it, is that England's best team for this tournament, or will they be chopping and changing, in your opinion? Uh, I think they'll be chopping and changing. Um, I assume whenever they think Maguire's fit, Maguire will come in probably for Mings, who, to be fair, I think he did okay. Look, I. My thing with it, it, that game was it was an okay England performance. They kind of did it, got the win, got the win, which they haven't done in um, opening games in Euros ever before. But you are seeing a um, a Croatia side that's definitely coming to the end of its cycle, and they they look they don't look the side that knocked England out of the World Cup a couple of years ago. So, uh, look, I thought Walk was atrocious, but I think he was there for his experience. I think Trippi was there because I think he wanted another free kick taker option other than just who he had, which is interesting because what what was all the big fuss about Trent then? Because would you just put Trent left back then? You know, you know, if it was me, maybe should maybe if Walker's four carries on the way it was in that first game, you probably put Trippi to right back and then you put him on a short or chill at left back, which is much of a muchness. You know, they're both good players. Um, attacking wise, look, Kane always starts. We know that. I mean, I thought he was piss poor to be honest in the game, but you know, he is what he is. Uh, I thought Sterling was lucky to start, and I thought apart from the goal, I don't think he had a particularly yeah, effective game by his standards. But look, Sterling's record for England is very good. You know, he's just he's just going through a bad bad form. Bad form. Yeah. The fact you can't have Sancho on the bench is a little bit laughable. Uh, I know you have to have two keeps on the bench because they're the rules, but I'm just yeah. looking at that bench going, if in doubt, I've always said, if in doubt, stick another attacker on the bench. You know, Sancho's in the form of his career, you know, for Dortmund. And I think he's a little bit out of sight out of mind. People forget because they don't watch German football. He's brilliant. And why would boy sorry for cutting across like why would you put Sancho not put Sancho on the bench but put Saka? Well, Saka was on the bench, was he for for mm. England? Like why yeah. is it the durability? I mean, Saka I can play fullback, but surely they've enough playing fullbacks. Yeah, I, I, that's what I mean. And it's not against Saka, I like Saka, but I just think Sancho yeah. a better a better player. Um and look, we won, which is fine, but I think it's a bit laughable that you can't find a way to get someone like a Grealish either in the side or off the bench. Yeah. It's just weird. And look, maybe look, maybe it's you know, um, 
the saviour of football, you know, Gary Neville was saying, you know, it's horses for courses, but, you know, this is the man who helped construct a loss to Iceland. So, you know, I'm not sure what he knows about international coaching. But most of the, if Grealish was another nationality, uh, and it's not a dig at the Irish, if he played for France or he played for Germany, he played for Portugal, they would find a way to use someone like that, even off the bench. And I just find it a bit weird. Nothing against Foden. I thought Foden was excellent. Uh, I think after Phillips, I thought Foden was probably the most effective. Uh, he just has got something about him, which makes you get excited, you know, and I can see why City fans are so excited by him. But yeah, I, I just think for England, we'll get out of the group. They may get to last 16, they may get to quarters, but they'll get found out then. Because I just don't think we've got the strength and depth in defence and I don't think we've got strength and depth in management. Yeah, look, it, we've said it there, you know, you have to win your games and that's the tricky game in the group and they've got through it. So you can only build your momentum from there and we'll see how it goes. I think, you know, they've on paper, they've one of the best squads there. It'll be just interesting to see how he manages to get through that. But the other, the other game in that group, it's Scotland and the Czech Republic, Gar. Um, we saw. Can I, can I have my England chat for one minute? Come on. Oh, go on, yeah, go on. Have your England chat. Go on. Go on. Come here. I think that the, you know, a lot of people are giving the, the Trippier decision a bit of grief. Uh, for me, uh, playing that right foot, I thought Reb, Rebic is going to come in all the time on his right foot, lads. He, he's not going to go wide. He's going to come in sorry, all the time. If you play Shaw or someone fully left foot out there, they're going to touch the line there because you know they're, they're attacking modern fullbacks. So Modric is going to look for Rebic all day long to come inside and uh, feed Kramerich uh, a bit through his right foot, feed crosses, uh, in-swing crosses and stuff. So I, I, I have a feeling that's why that could have been the, the logistics of playing Trippier. Uh, on that side to to stop him cutting in all the time because he was tucked in a lot. Um, the the for me the the the, the front England's front fo- focus is 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 built around Kane too much to be honest with you. Uh, I think if you look, uh, you could play Foden through the middle easily enough. Have you got Foden, Grealish? And Sancho or someone in that. Look how dynamic it is, lads. They they switch around more. Yeah, you're not waiting for one focal point in regards to Kane. Uh, you've got lads who can switch and, and be dynamic and pop up everywhere. Whereas Kane, you know, we all know what he's like lads. He wants everything fed into him. Um, it's you know, he's he's the go-to man for for spores and and he's I am Harry Kane. So we all know his uh, his 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 poses. He rates himself, and he's, he is. Don't get me wrong; he's, he's a quality player. But uh, I think England are restricted internationally, having to play through him all the time with such fantastic different options up there. Uh, you know, if you ever have a ballsy manager, you, you could try something different. But unfortunately, um, Southgate is not that. Yeah, unfortunately, true. But look, we'll, we'll give them their flowers. They are off to a good yeah, start. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I want to rattle through these other games, Scotland. Um, you know, undone by, by um, yeah. look, I thought Sheik was excellent in that game, but the second goal, like, <laughs> it's a great goal, right? It's a great goal, because you look at the angles from it, he didn't just sort of hit it and hope, or if he did, put some Quality. bend on it. Do you know what Quality. I mean? He put some bend on it. But what was David Marshall doing? You know what I mean? Like, sort of so far out. If you're not the type of keeper who plays that high line, yeah, don't do it. Because he's scampering back, he's diving into the net. I don't know what he was hoping to achieve, just hit off him or something when he was doing that. But they were badly exposed, Scotland. And, you know, they've put themselves into a bit of a, a sticky position now, Gar, haven't they, in the rest of that group? 
Yeah, and as you say, really, really exposed. There was a lot of shouts from from a lot of fans that certain players didn't play as well for them. Uh, for me, I don't, I don't know how that young half Southampton didn't start up for them. Jesus Christ, and oh my, if international is all about finishing and having finishers in, and, and he can do that. We've we've seen what he can do this season. Um, but for me, everything went down. Everything good went down Scotland's left hand side uh, for, from Robbo. And, you know, the, the chat is, is blown up here. Robbo, he was, he was excellent, uh, to be fair. And everything that came out of it was good. His crossing was was quality. Uh, but there was for me, there was just no one in there to finish at times. Um, and some people looked looked off. A lot of people slate McTominay. I thought he was awful the other night, but he's had a good season at United, to be fair. Um, and he's not bad. He's a box box midfielder. He, he's he's got energy about him. He can score a goal too. Um, but just there was a lot of things that just didn't add up about Marshall. What I thought was awful. Um, yeah, just uh, uh, you know the fans are now asking for um, Mister Chelsea to go in now. Uh, all all, all Talksport spoke about today was was him starting, um, and there's a lot of hype for him to start. This is excellent. Yeah, mm. Billy Gilmore. Yeah. They're all they're. Yeah, he's really, really good. H- hasn't got a chance at Chelsea, to be fair. And, and listen, he's in a, he's in amongst a quality squad. So let's be honest, your chances are going to be limited. Probably should went alone. But mm. listen, now is the time. He's with Scotland. He can he he should be given a start, in my opinion, next game. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, I'd, I'd give you a shot on Billy Gilmore there, Connor, but I want to rattle through these other games, right? So, <laughs> no, do you know what? Go on, you're a Chelsea to fan. Be fair, have a go, I, Billy Gilmore. I could, I could talk for hours, so you might have been right to cut me off there. But no, I think I think he does deserve a chance. You're right, Gar, in that McTominay didn't look good, but he has his uses as a player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, much like Rice, you know, he's a dual winner. He'll cover ground like nobody else. And when you're playing those big teams... No, when I'm when I'm watching you, when I'm playing against United, or when Chelsea are playing against United, McTominay is one of the players who scares me most because he yeah. just he eats up the ground and he wins yeah. wins the ball back. And when you're playing against possession heavy teams, someone like that, you know, is a necessary tool to have in your squad. And I think someone like Gilmore playing a bit more advanced will really complement him uh, quite well. Whether he plays that role or if he plays a six slightly deeper, I personally don't think he's a six. I don't think he's robust enough. I don't think yeah. he can cover mm-hmm. the ground. Mm-hmm. But in a slightly more advanced eight role, he's a really creative passer and he can make opportunities. And that's what yep. Scotland were lacking. You know, if you if, if their principal creator is Robbo on the left, you need something central. Yep. Um, and you know, Shea Adams is a good channel runner, and I think him and him and Gilmore could uh, could create well together. So I think, you know. I don't blame Clark for his for, for not picking him in, in the first game in their first major tournament in so long. He's only 19. So, you, you know, you can understand the decision. But I think in, in games moving forward, he would be wise to pick Billy and put him next to McTominay. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So we'll move on quickly. Poland, Slovakia. I have Poland in the sweep for this. Disgusted. They let me down bad. 2-1. Um, <laughs> red card. Nightmare. Slovakia. Get out. Um, terrible, terrible. Then Spain and Sweden. What? What? what you oh, Jesus. It was a good winner. Yeah. It was a good winner, though, Yeah, it was. It was, it was nice, you know. Good. Slovakia are in a bad team, you know. They've, they've got... Uh, They've got good good players there, but look, Poland let me down. Spain, Sweden, lads, nil all. They're breaking I, records for the blade amount of passes well, they have. It was, well, it was I terrible. Can, I can only tell you about the first half because I fell asleep. That's how good it was. Possession football's all great, but it's got to have some purpose. It was oh, yeah. 
dull, dull. And Morata does what Morata does, which is get offside and miss sitters, which is uh, quite funny, really. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a you like Connor. You've had Morata there. He's a bit of a an enigma, isn't he? Like he goes to all these big clubs, he gets all these big moves, but he doesn't look like he has the required quality for the top level. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. His agent. I mean, you know, he's doing he's doing a he's doing a bloody good job, isn't he? Juventus, Atletico, Real, Chelsea is uh, it's obscene because he's not looked like a starting quality striker at any of those clubs. You know, he he's got good good characteristics in his game. He's good aerially. Uh he he can play as a target man and link up quite well, but Jesus Christ, his clinicality is non existent. Now yeah. you see all those debates about Murat or Werner, two peas in a pod, aren't they? Yeah, he's, he's a good he's a good number two striker. His best sign was at Madrid, but that's when he was mm. coming off the bench for the last half yeah. hours or in cup games. That's kind of what he was good for. Uh, I think he's believed his own height that he's a starter because whenever he started, he's looked crap. Even mm. him, him, him and Shuba Moltang definitely have the best, the same yeah. age. Oh, they definitely <laughs> have the same age. <laughs> I mean, fair play to him. He's gone from Stoke to PSG to Bayern. I mean, that that's some yeah, age and that. Point. That is brilliant. Yeah. You know, fair yeah, play no. to him. You know, hands up, well done to the agents. That's their <laughs> section on this. But lads, I want to quickly move off that game because it was it was quite dull. It was terrible. Um, the last group, the group of death, um, Hungary and Portugal. I watched this earlier. Hungary were very unlucky because Portugal yeah. run out three yeah. 0 winners, yeah. and you know it was if it was a bit flattering really uh, that they got three goals uh, so late on. But um, Gar, I'll come to you, Ronaldo. I mean. He was. I thought he was poison in the game. Ridiculous, ridiculous. So times I had to look and see was he still there. Um, yeah. It just shows you the quality of the man. Uh, steps up, Billy big bollocks. He might have yeah. to bleed that out tomorrow, but he'll never. No, no, uh, no. And takes the penalty. Um, you know, all day long he he eat that off you. But I have to say, Keith, the tour goal for me is absolute breathtaking. Uh, little triangles from the right hand side. Yeah. Uh, played around. Uh, hungry, hungry couldn't get near them. Uh, on, on the third play. Wendy at that stage. Yeah, yeah. You could see they were out on their feet. You could see. Um, oh, what brilliant, brilliant goal! Uh, lovely football. Some you'd expect more from Spain, but however, let's we we, we wipe that one off the board. Uh, really yeah. good goal, but Ronaldo is it's just is world class. Let's be honest, that's yeah. Um, that bleeding alarm is going off again. <laughs> um, Connor Ronaldo, uh, he, he's he's the difference than than a Morata, isn't he? You can, as Gar said, Spain are doing that sort of move all the time, but they've no one to put it in the net. Whereas Portugal have Ronaldo, and that's that's just the difference. Yeah, I mean the only word you can use to describe him is inevitable. Really, you know, he, he didn't look he didn't look too too brilliant throughout the game, but then he pops up. You know, he did miss that ch- chance early on in the first half, towards the towards half time, I think, uh, in the first half. But then, yeah, you're right, God, that final goal, those that little link up was amazing. The way he takes around the keeper, it's just Ronaldo, isn't it? And and he just doesn't seem to age. I don't know how old he is now. Was he 34, 35? 46, I think. 36 and still doing that still performing at that level it's just it's just exceptional i think with with ronaldo you've clearly got that sort of pressure within the portugal camp to feed him at all costs um and and the players it seems like they're they're sort of rising to that rather than wilting which can only be a good thing for the team yeah yeah 
Indeed, yeah, it's, it's it's looking promising. But then we went on, um, Portugal done well. Jota wasn't great, I didn't think, in the game, to be no. honest. Um, mm. He didn't have a great game. But they have a good squad there, and they've players that can come in and step in and, and do that business when it doesn't work out for one of their players. But the last game then of the group, uh, of the first round of matches, was France and Germany. Chris, Anyone, what did you make of that? Was there anyone that stood out for you? Was, was uh, France worthy of the win? Um, yeah, they were. They, uh, they, they took the lead through uh, another funny own goal, which is it seems to be a theme of the tournament so far. Uh, in fairness to France, they just defended really well. Uh, Germany, if they had a if they had a clinical striker, not Timo Werner or whoever else they had up front, um, they might have given France more, more trouble. But on the break, France were just scary. I mean, Mbappe started at one point on the counter-attack about eight yards behind Hummels and ended up five yards ahead of him in, the, in about two seconds. I mean, first the Hummels, he gets a good tackling, actually, to stop oh, it. But, tackle, yeah, yeah I, I know I've, I've, I know some of our parish think it's a, it's a penalty, but it's like, I love tackles like that, where it's just from behind, where he does get a bit of the ball and he, he doesn't really endanger the player. But yeah, Mbappe at times, he was funny because at times he was quite he was quite defensive and doing the donkey work, but then when he got when he got going, like he was just ridiculous. I mean, the thing with Germany, uh, the tactics were a bit odd because Kimmich wide right, his best work generally lately has been the middle. Cruz and Gundogan in the middle, it's not quite a natural shield there. You probably want those three as a three, but they seem to have flicked to this three at the back. I think it's to protect the centre backs they've got, um, but it didn't quite it didn't quite work. And the, they, they just seems, Germany seems to lack a cutting edge. I mean, I've got Germany in the sweep, but. You can never write Germany off because you know what they're like. Every time you write them off, they end up in the semi-final somewhere. But it'll be interesting what happens with um, our friend Mr. Rudiger, who um, seemed to be taking a book out of Suarez's book and having a nibble. <laughs> seems to look like he tries to have a nibble of um, Pompa's shoulder. Now Pompa didn't really flinch prop- much, so I don't know if he did or he didn't. But from the images, it looked like he tried to have a little bit of a bite of him, which I'm surprised wasn't brought up and no one really talked about it. Uh, but the other highlight of the game was the commentary. You know, it was Clive Tilsley and Ali McCoy, which to me is the best two combo for commentators. Clive Tilsley is just genius, and Ali McCoy has got that enthusiasm you need for a co-commentator. And in fairness to him, when he gets a call wrong, he calls himself out on it because I think one of the uh, Hernandez went down with, and he said, "I'll oh, get up." He's not touching. They showed the replay. He actually got a kick in the face, accidental. And in fairness to him, McCoy, oh, I got that wrong. He said, "Yeah, he's took a kick there." So he goes, "I'm sure that hurts." He said, "It's not deliberate, but." I thought, well, most don't do that. Most just cross over it. So that's also what made the game exciting was there were pundits on there that you like. I mean, the other person who's been really good on ITV has been uh, Emma Hayes, the uh, Chelsea women's manager, who, um, this is a a rare thing for male pundits to learn, is actually gave some tactical insight that you wouldn't hear in the pub. And you were going and explaining why Hungary were doing so well or explaining why certain teams were playing the way they were. It was actual tactical insight without being overkill, which is actually quite refreshing which you don't hear enough of, rather than just having Jamie Redknapp or Jermaine Genius say, oh, yeah, but they want it more. You know what I mean? I could say I could say that, but I don't get paid to do it. You know, I'm just I'm just some biff on a YouTube channel. You know, I'm not a paid professional. So I think uh, Emma Hayes has actually put a few pundits to shame, really. Yeah. Right. Uh, we won't keep it much longer, lads. We're going over the hour mark. So I just want to get off is who has been the player who's impressed you most in the first round of matches and who are you looking forward to seeing progressing? So it might be the same player or it might be someone else that you're looking forward to growing into the tournament. So, Chris, we'll start with you. Who's impressed you the most in the first games and who are you looking forward to seeing in the rest of the tournament? 
Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Holland the rest of the tournament. Come back to me and I'll play. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a player. No, we want an answer now. Thank the only two I've got in my head is, is Wijnaldum and Mbappé. They're the two that have impressed me, but they're quite obvious answers. Well, look, they can be the obvious answer. You know, it doesn't have yeah. to be the hipster's choice here. You can, yeah. you can have the obvious one if if that's the case. But look, Mbappe I've got a goal for I've got a goal for Spain. They're the only two games I can think of because they're the yeah. two games I've enjoyed. Yeah, that that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, Connor, what about yourself? Who has been the player that impressed you most, and who are you looking forward to seeing for the rest of the tournament? Well, like Chris, uh, I'm gonna have to go for a couple of obvious picks, really. And maybe you're right because it's because it's because they're fresh in my mind. A couple of French players. I thought Pogba looked incredible today. You know, it shows the difference when you're playing with teammates that you enjoy playing with in a in a setup that you want to play in. Uh, he looks he looks brilliant and a completely different player to his United self. And then Mbappe as well. Uh, I mean, we all know what to expect. So maybe it didn't impress me because um, we all know what he's like as a player. But some of those touches, that that offside goal was just sensational, wasn't it? That's the type of goal that you just forget about offside. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Let it stand. And then Lukaku as well. So then my three, Pogba, Mbappe and Lukaku. Good stuff, good stuff. And Gary, what about yourself? Keto, uh, Lock, Terry, Berardi and, uh, you know, I'm a big, big favourite. Uh, of, of, oh, sorry, a big favourite of mine. Uh, Calvin Phillips, absolute baller. I've, I've been shouting for this lad since his championship, uh, since he was in the championship with Leeds. Absolute player, this guy that's, um, you know, reminds me of Javi Alonso. I know that's very, very high praise, but the kid um, can can hit a ball 60 yards and put it on, on a plate for someone. He controls the midfield. He's he's physical. He's, he can get around the pitch. A big, big talent um, for me and uh, under a marvellous manager at Leeds. Uh, he's only going to get better. So, yeah, for me, Phillips, um, just for the way he just ran the game for him. Good choice, good choice. Um yeah, look, it's been an interesting start. I won't keep his eye. I'm gonna have to find out whose fucking car that is. That's <laughs> out there. Gonna go down and bust her up and keep it going. I've been kept up all night. But look, guys, thanks very much for coming on and having a little chat about the first round of matches. We'll do it again as it goes on. It won't be as in depth. It was just to get the force games done and dusted and get them out of the way. So look, I want to thank Connor for coming on for the first time. Connor, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Pleasure to be um, here. We'll be getting you on more and more uh, as the summer goes awesome. on. Um, it was great to have your opinion. And we'll get, we're will get not just talking internationals, we get your Chelsea views as well coming on again. So, look, thanks very much for that. And, Chris, I'm sure you're back on Friday, are you? Yeah, yeah. How are we doing the road to Basel? Because I thought I'd just cheer everyone up. Fucking Basel, nice one. All the ones we lose. <laughs> all the ones we lose. Then we'll um, do the winners after that. Yeah, exactly. And, Gar, always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thanks, pal. Always a pleasure to see you, pal. Um, Connor, well done, absolutely magnificent debut, proper football man. Uh, we'll forgive you for wearing Union jersey, but hell no. <laughs> hey, next time it'll be the Chelsea one. So, uh, oh, yeah, dealing one on. Could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> but uh, now, listen, we'll be Kato, back. Get on the gap. Yeah. Get him some trippers gear, will you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. We'll sort that out. But look, um, I, I know Jamie's but Jamie's on tomorrow for the midweek fix. Uh, I think there's a transfer agenda show on Thursday, and then Chris will be on on Friday. So plenty more shows to come during the week. But we we'll leave it there for tonight. Thanks to the lads for joining me and. And um, we'll see you again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.